This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 447, brought to you by iFanboy listeners like you. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 447. I am Josh Flanagan, and with me are Paul Montgomery. Good to be here. And Ryan Haupt. Hello, everybody. He will be guesting for Connor Kilpatrick, who has, I guess, differing priorities. He's on vacation, which is totally fine. I saw him last week. First time I've seen him in a while. It was very nice. Uh, So thanks for uh, for filling in. And uh, I'm looking forward to this. So let's have fun. We are iFanboy. We like comic books. Every week we read a whole bunch of them. One of us has the job of picking the one that they like the best. They call it the pick of the week. Uh, we're going to talk about that on the show at the beginning, at the top, about 10 minutes. And then we'll talk about the other books that we read this week, and then we'll do some questions, some other stuff, whatever. You know, we, we'll, we'll, we, have a, we tend to divert from time to time. Before we get going, there is, this is your warning. There will be spoilers. We're going to talk about what happened in the books this week because that makes a much better conversation than pussyfooting around it. So if you haven't uh, read your books yet, come back later after you have or just power through. Regardless, uh, this week, Paul had the pick. I like this episode already. I like this one. This is a good feel to it. Okay, good. It's nice. Yeah. Do you, how do you feel about it? I feel really good. Feel good? Ryan? Oh, man, I can't even tell you how good I feel. Right, that, was, week. that was the sound of a person who had been distracted from writing an email. <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> like, he was like, clickety, clickety. Ryan. <laughs> Not good. So the pick of the week is another image number one. It is low number one by Rick Remender and Greg Tocchini. Just mathematically, most of them will have to be image number one. Yeah, got some rust in there. Forty percent of the books that are on the market. It's definitely not a normal distribution. It's probably closer to a Poisson distribution. And in a, in a, yep. in a, in a, in a, in a, <laughs> a Poisson, I did it. Josh speaks French. He knows what's going on. Fish, I believe. It's um, it's in a, in a weird shift from form. Um, this is a science fiction book from Image Comics. <laughs> what? It's a new science fiction book from the Rook Remender. And uh, so years from now, here's the pitch. Years from now, the sun is lashing out in its death throes. Scorching and irradiating the surface of the Earth. Quite a few years from now. It's yeah, it's, like, it's, it's a while. It's at least four years. This um, isn't like during the Hillary Clinton presidency. Yeah. Like, so uh, angry listeners just ah, turned off. Ah. Ah, uh, and ah. what is that? It's my Hillary Clinton. I didn't know if it was your Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton, or your uh, iFanboy listeners who don't like Hillary Clinton lashing out. It's it, it's whatever you want it to be. I'm not I'm not willing to put myself in a box like lashing that. out like the sun ah. does in its death throes, scorching and irradiating the earth. Which uh, sends humanity in a retreat down to the depths of the sea. Um, Ryan, we can talk about the science of that because uh, yeah, man, it's your specialty. I, at, at a, for for a moment, I thought I was reading a black science spinoff. Yeah, um, because yeah, there's some similarities here. But deep sea, yeah, I mean, water is a very good insulator of heat. Uh, it has a very high heat capacity. That's why it takes you know the whole watch pot never boils. Uh, water requires a lot of energy to raise its temperature. So if the sun was actually in its death throes, I don't actually know how long we'd have in between when the sun started going through its death throes to when it actually threw its death. The long goodbye. Uh, many, it's, it's 
a lot of years. I mean, we got we got billions of years. I think we're about halfway through the sun's lifespan at this point. But in the course of its lifespan, it's going to become a red giant star. And the Earth is done at that point. It's going to. Yeah. So it will be the sun does not have to die for us to still be wiped out by its uh, evolution. So, so, I mean, the ultimate goal is we're hopefully going to find another planet out there somewhere. But for right now, we can't live on the surface. So we got to we got to doggy paddle down as far as we can go into the ocean and live down there. No, I love it. I think that's really a really interesting. Yeah, premise. It's, a, it's a really neat idea. And then like they're down there so long and they can't figure it out. And they're, they're, like they can't look out and like look at outer space because it's so much farther up now that they're sort of like, uh, and they kind of, it's like, it's like summer reading and you're like, wait until the last week and you're trying to get through to Tocqueville's democracy in America and it's just not happening. Sorry, it's a personal story. Um, but anyways, they're like, we're kind of stuck down here and they start building like a new mythology. It's it's like, uh, it's like Wally. It's, it's a little like that. Yeah. They're on their life ship. They just forget that there was anything and then they're there. Yeah. It's funny is I really didn't, I don't think I got what a lot of that was. I don't know if I was paying attention enough in the beginning. Like I had it by the end, but it wasn't. I wasn't clear that they were underwater. And also by the end, if you read Rookemender's essay, he sort of like lines it all up for you. But, yeah, that that, uh, helped. that was just very helpful. But but I like I picked it up as it went along. I was like, okay, and that just sort of confirmed it by the end. But anyways, we've got this sort of like uh, Lara and Jorel kind of characters. That's that's mm-hmm. how they felt to me. There's the two scientists who were you know hanging out all all naked. Uh, in their in their Greg Tacchini wonderfulness, and that guy that guy draws a, a sexy naked lady, and everybody's naked. And yeah, I know, but I'm just yeah, saying yeah, yeah. Everybody's sexy. Everybody's sexy. It's everybody's true, actually. Good. I'm looking at him. Is I'm looking at him in his little water bath. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty sexy. Too. Hanging out in the little little pond, and um, and it's and so it's gorgeous. But they're and they're talking, and it's very uh, there's it's. It's a bit of exposition going on, and it's a it's a bit heavy, but it reminded me of sort of the Shakespearean way that they presented Krypton, or as I pronounce it, Krypton, uh, in the Superman movie. Hello, my son. Hello, it my looks son. very Kryptonian. It just it just I it had that feel to me. <laughs> and um, they're talking about we're, we got to go explore, we got to figure this out. And he wants to take the their two daughters. They have they have two daughters, and they have a son. And the son is basically a mechanic. And or an engineer, and then the two daughters are, are younger, and he thinks their vocation might be to pilot this mech suit, which they call a helm, which he says only people in the Kane family that they're a part of um, can pilot. And they're like sort of the last scions of this this Kane family, and they have this powerful suit. And you find out later that it's actually keyed into their DNA, and it's through the eyeball. Um, so that's, it's not a mystical thing. It's, there's actually a science to it. Um, but they're so far removed from the science or the original science that it's become like, uh, like this arcane thing, like, like a religion almost that you're the chosen one who can pilot this, this suit. And it's going to be one of these two girls and they go out on a routine sort of thing out into the ocean and they see some big octopus creatures and there's some pirates out there, which are, what do they call them? Scurvies? Yes. Yeah, they call them scurvy. Scurvy. There's, no, there's no limes. They're not, there's, there's no citrus out there. There's and no limes. Not one. They're not. They're not happy. And um, it leads me it to believe that there might be a larger theme. story going on in terms of the haves and the have-nots. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and I and I I suspect that we're going to have a bit of a time jump. Uh, and I base part I of that too. on promo art that we're going to see these girls who are kidnapped by the scurvies maybe grown up a bit. 
and one of them maybe pilots that that helm. I also think it's it's interesting that um, we're dealing with this sibling relationship and they're a lineage of Cain. And then there's like this yeah. other out there. Like I, I would be disappointed in Remender if we did not see some uh, very interesting biblical it's symbolism with some, Cain and Abel. Some and, kind of Abel. Yeah. Right. Like maybe the reason that the Cains are the founder of this subsidy is that they had to take out some Abels along the way. And maybe those past crimes will come back to haunt them. You know, like that to me is really fascinating. I mean, one of my favorite novels of I, all time is East of Eden. Yeah. And so like, I really like that, that mythology of, siblings and rivalries and uh lineage and what that can do to a person i think there's a really nice chance of since it's everything at the very beginning started off perfect you know like it, like it was a wonderful they're beautiful intelligent people and like we were going to find out that they're 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 the bad guys you know like kind of or maybe unintentionally like there's there's a nice area for a reversal or at least upheaval expectations i think with it well even within this issue i mean mm-hmm. it's it's bookended by complete despair and horror like yeah. the way tachini draws you know the the helm suit and then there's like this leviathan kind of like you know fishy snaky creature swimming around and it's just kind of scary and the the title page the too, giant squids are what they're calling the mammoths so like right. i was I was really confused when they talk about hunting mammoths, but I'm like, wait, they're underwater. Like, yeah, what's it was going like, there's like an elephant swimming around. Like, what's, what are they talking about? Well, it's about? because we have in our, our actual real world, there's the giant squid, but then there's the squid that people don't know as much about, which is called the colossal squid. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming this is the next step in that, you know, and a giant squid alone is a big enough animal that if it were on a basketball court that was obviously flooded with water, it would be able to slam dunk on both hoops simultaneously. I just imagine a giant or a colossal squid on a Harlem Globetrotters roster. Be, I mean, they've got suction cups. They could hold the ball. They could palm it, for, if, you know, for lack of a better squid word. Can, That's can, a character can squid, from uh, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. So. Oh, oh, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Are you watching a lot of that these days? No, I've actually... No? I've, you just know I've that. Only, <laughs> I've only seen that show in a professional capacity while working for Nickelodeon, to be oh, honest you with you. Okay. I tried to watch it once, but everything kept yelling, and I hated it. It was like ah! it's forbidden it's like, in the Flanagan sound, household. Sounded like sounded like uh, sounded like Hillary Clinton. What do you think about uh, <laughs> what do you think about uh, Jor-El here's uh, mustache? I don't think I noticed it, but when you mention it and you say it like that, I want to like his mustache. Oh, it's like a it's like a catfish. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like a weird Fu Manchu kind of thing, like one of those like ancient uh, one of those sort of stereotypical Chinese uh, ones, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, makes it, yeah. it would maybe make sense that this this culture is is built up of uh, various vestiges of ethnic and cultural things from the past, and that mustache is what survived. And even the pirates, there's sort of like a there's like an Asian inspiration. Like he's wearing like a kimono. Well, kind that's of thing. most of the people. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like um, Firefly. Yes, that's, yeah. There's, you know, like, I guess so. It makes sense, sort of, if if you're. If you if you whittle it down to a monoculture, then you'll have a little bit of that stuff. But uh, I don't know. It's kind of a neat. I don't know. It's just it's a, it's a it's a shorthand to the other, I suppose. Mm-hmm. What uh, did you guys think about uh, Greg Tacchini's art here? Because I know he's pretty polarizing. Why? I like why do you him. think he's polarizing? Oh, so people don't like him. <laughs> yeah. Why? What do they? What do they not? Like I, th- I think people I think, think they don't like him drawing their superheroes. That's I think that's true. Um, but have they seen him draw naked people? Because <laughs> 
These naked people look awesome. I, I always like when Greg Dottini draws naked people. I don't people. think most people read, uh, what was that story? The, what was the one that, that Rick did with him? The Last, uh, Days, Last Days of American, American Crime. La- Last Day of American Crime. I don't think most people read that. So the first time they saw him was when he came on to uh, Uncanny X-Force. And, uh, you know, oh, that can right. polarize what for some people. What else did he do? I'm not sure, but like it was sort of the same reaction to it. I think that he's really talented, obviously. I think this has a really great um, world design to it. I love the, his use of uh, – he, he has a way of doing a, a big shot, like a big establishing shot, and he draws it sort of like Jock does where he adds um, wide-angle lines. So like it curves as if you're looking through a wide angle lens, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a technique I really really like in comic art. When it's like his stuff, like it looks re, it looks like it's really drawn. It doesn't, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like it, like you can see the lines. You can tell it's expressionistic. I suppose is what I'm getting at. Um, yes, and I think which sometimes that, I think some some panels I do struggle with what's going on, mm-hmm. but yeah, overall. I I like the, you know, so, so there's some storytelling issues, but overall feel of the art is right. just so... Tone it, and design are so spot on that you can let a lot of that go, I think. Yeah, I think there's, yeah. A, there's a lot of people who have trouble with inconsistency of, of figures. And I think since the daughters look so similar and, and they have be the an same issue. hair as the, you know, as the, as the mother, um, uh, Stell, I believe, um, who, who Remender refers to as the main character, which is interesting, uh, especially where, where we leave off <laughs> his characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and in total despair, but, uh, um, but it's, uh, you know, in terms of Ticini's art, I think, you know, there are s- some times where I was like, I have, I have to reread a panel or something mm-hmm. like the storytelling rhythm isn't exactly there, but I think I'm willing to make that concession for just such gorgeous art. And I think, I think that this is setting. a guy who benefits, uh, for having a story built around his particular skill set. Yes. So whereas, you know, you may not like him drawing Wolverine, fine. This isn't that. It's, and that's, that's not what that guy's meant to do. So this is cool as far as I'm concerned. And I mean, the colors in this are yeah. just kind of crazy. I mean. Did he color it or is it like Low Ridge or something? I believe it's just him. Yes, it is. Yep. He's yeah. artist. 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 Does the, does the everything. It's, I mean, it, like this is, a, this is a through line between, between, you know, all of Rick Remender's work. Even at Marvel, which is impressive, is that you know the, the guy the guy's an artist himself, and he has always been. He's had a he's got a great eye for collaborators. He and knows, he, and he always refers to his collaborators, you know, as like scientists, scientists yep. and which I've always liked. Me um, too. You know that he is like he's a guy who who by you know because he is one, he always respects his artist and and his his his. And uh, we talked, we're talking about him a lot, but like his projects are collaborations. Uh, and I like that. Like they all have the, they're all very much like, like the books exist because of the writer, but also like that project exists because of that artist. So they're, they're made for them. Sort of like the helm suit. Thank mm-hmm. you <laughs> very much. And so, I mean, this had a lot going for it and a pretty strong week of comics. Um, it's got a mech suit. It's got underwater, which I like. And uh, it's got Greg Tatini, which I like a lot. And, those the, other, the other thing is that it seems to be a really personal story, and it's uh, you know I a lot a All lot of this stuff seems like personal. Stories. Yeah, I mean, the, the, like, yeah, I mean, between the essay and this, and then the essay and like you know, Deadly Class, like it's just. It, but it also reminds me of of uh, what Jason Aaron and Jason Latour said in Southern Bastards that they're writing these really personal books, and I think it's really cool. It's a, it's a it's it's not just crazy science fiction and, and crime books happening in Image. It's also just really intimate stories. 
I was so bummed I couldn't be here for the Southern Bastards yeah. discussion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had a lot to, lot to say. Yeah. Well, we'll have to time that for one of the later ones. Maybe yeah, I'm definitely interested in your thoughts on that. So we're not going to do that There's now, There's a bunch though. of Yanks talking about it. What yeah. we are going to do, again, uh, very quickly, is actually we're going to talk about another Rick Remender book, and I promise I'll make it relatively brief. Uh, Black Science number 7 also came out um, Certainly, you can see there's a connection between these kind of books and sort of ideas and world building and science fiction, and this is one thing. But they're, they're very different. Um, this is the first issue back after a, a little hiatus uh, and then the sort of epochal turn that happened at the end of the last one uh, where the, the, the guy who we thought was the main character was killed off. Uh, Reluctant ad- adoption. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is sort of what happened to them after that. And then uh, Kad- Kadir, it's Kadir who was thought to be the bad guy, but he's coming back to rescue them. Um, and really, the, the thing that I want to talk about uh, in this, uh, really more than anything, is that we had mentioned before that Mateo Scalera needs to stop it. <laughs> and, and I just want to bring up the point that right now, he needs to fucking stop it. <laughs> Barreling out of control. Too good. Mateo Scalera's art has got to be one of the most beautiful things that I have put my eyes on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In many, many eons. And, and I am just... Eons? Eons. Wow. I've used epochal and eons. Uh, That's and, one of my favorite villains in a Rankin and Bass live <laughs> stop motion thing. Um, as, I, as I read through this, I just love all of the influences that are going on in this art. I love the angles that he chose. I love his character design. And I love the goddamn speed lines everywhere. Because <laughs> this book does not stop moving. It's this constant constant motion it's going towards you away from you through the panels everything is going all the time it is the most exciting panel layout i've ever like it's it is so dynamic it's constant motion it's it's like the best of manga you know with the best of wherever the hell he's at brazil i want to say uh i'm not sure um i think it's brazil but i think this is a lot of really good brazilian artists right now it's just it's but, I mean, so, so the good. thing I noticed with Mateo Scalera, and this is I, I guess I really noticed it in um in that uh, I guess it was Indestructible Hulk arc he did with uh, with Daredevil coming in, mm-hmm. um, and he's just just this great understanding of energy, mm-hmm. and that's great yeah. with the Hulk. Um, but it's so like like he, even I, at I rest, do other stuff. Italy, Italy. He's Italian. There you go. Even I'm at rest, sorry. his Hulk is like you know. Kinetic energy, mm-hmm. but Ryan, don't say anything. But, but I, I, no, I, I wasn't. I, well, the, one thing I do want to say about this book is uh, I, I got to give Rick Remender credit because so often in comics and in popular culture in general, scientists are very one note. They're either the dweeby nerd sidekick who provides the solution to the real hero, or they're the maniacal mad scientist who's out to ruin everything. And Black Science, you know. Rick Remender's actually writing characters who I know. Like, I could tell you that, you know, who these characters are in my own life because I'm like, yeah, I know the guy who is that crazy about his work but also cares a lot about his family and, like, it, they're, they're nuanced, they're complex, and they're people that I recognize as a scientist who, who are, interacts a lot with other scientists. There are many scientists in this. Yes. And, and not just I'm, the one. Usually there's the one scientist, whereas in black science there are many scientists. And Rick is just, he's really killing it on characterizing them as human beings, not as caricatures. And so I got to give him, a, you know, a lot of uh, accolades for that. Can somebody just, in Italian, send something out? That you, need to, you need to fucking stop it. Mateo, you got to stop. In, in a good way. In a good way. It's so, it's so good. I, could I say mean, it in Spanish, but he probably, I don't know if he speaks they Spanish. They are, they're related uh, romance languages. 
They are. They're very similar romances. <laughs> I will just go ahead and uh, go for French. Arrête. Maintenant. Alto, por favor. So as it turns out, this is the perfect episode to have Ryan on because uh, it's Science Week. Deep Gravity number one, which was plotted by Mike Richardson, or was the original story, it was by Mike Richardson of Dark Horse, and then scripted by Gabriel Hardman and Karina Becco with art Hi. by Fernando Balu. Baldo, sorry. <laughs> that's, that's a D, no, no, no. Oh, I thought it was the bear. Ryan, what did you, what did you think of this? Loved it. Loved it? Yeah, good. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. This is like, this is what I wanted Avatar to be. I thought about Avatar a lot reading this. Um, This is like Avatar with the sensibility of the roughneck space people of of Alien, you know? Yeah. This is is beautiful. I loved it. Yeah, I loved everything about this, you know? More Alien or Aliens? uh, I would say the first Alien where it's the roughneck sitting around the ship, you know, that sort of attitude. Um with a little bit of that terrible show on Fox where they go back in time with the dinosaurs. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> remember that one? Mm-hmm, I, I do. Remember, I don't even remember what it's called. Terra Nova. That's Terra Nova. I just remember seeing um, promos for it in the movie theaters. Yeah, yeah. That was my so, only real. <laughs> yeah. You know, the book was great. It, it's a really interesting, high-concept sci-fi stuff, but then, like, the second that it starts to get a little too heady, it cuts to a couple of different really human relationships that are happening with the the characters uh, involved in the story. And, you know, there's intrigue and mystery. And I just, yes, everything about this was on point for me. So we have a planet uh, very far away that is... Not that uh, far away. It's not not that far far away. No, that's actually my biggest criticism. You couldn't walk there. (laughs) It looks a lot like Jurassic Park. My biggest criticism is that three there's not there's there's no other stars within three light years of us. So unless they're traveling faster than the speed of light, I don't know where this well, planet maybe is. Maybe it, it popped up just recently within maybe this time. Fine. I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. It I think if it was existence. within if it was within three light years, we would have seen it. Seriously, those are the fences from Jurassic Park. They are, but and there's like crazy like when they're when they're heading down, they're like whatever you knew about plants, it's not true. It's like they're Plants and animals are the same animals, thing, man. Yeah. They're the same thing, man. And they Not turn out to be biological distinction. Big crazy plants, and uh, d- d- you know, scaring them, spooking them with the lights because they're under sort of red dwarf. They say there's yeah, a, there's, it's, a, it's not as as a bright or pure a, a white light, so they're not used to lamps, basically. Um, and yeah, I just I, I like this as it's, you know, it, it's kind of funny when you actually break it down that it's a guy who uh, got dumped um, by this woman and she goes dumped by her leaving the planet, goes to another planet to, to do some research or whatever. And then he follows her there and it's like a six, six year trip. And she's like, this is kind of weird. I would just push him right into the Jurassic Park fences, honestly. like It's a little strange. But I think it's guy. off to a good start. So, and I think, and, and I think for me, this is just sort. Of, this is I, I enjoy. This as an appetizer for the uh, the big creator own thing that the uh, Gabe and Karina are going to be doing at Image. Image. I think so. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It is that. I know that. Uh, I actually missed this. I feel bad about it because I would have liked to read this, but. I will. I will read it now. It's fun. It's, it's, it's Avatar, but good. Yeah. No. Uh. Real good. So, do you guys remember the last time that uh this Hawkeye story took place? <laughs> no. Okay. So Hawkeye nineteen came out this week, and I started reading, and I thought, 
what the hell's going on? And then I went, all right, they got shot. So then I went back and I was trying to find out in what issue that happened. This is issue 19. Yes. Uh, but there were several issues between that when that happened and this one where like they spent time with Kate. There was the, the weird Christmas issue. Yep. Yep. Uh, There's several. So like the actual last time the story was, I believe, January, maybe February. Good Lord. Which is a really long time. January so, was when he got shot? Yes. Wow. And I, cause I had to, cause I kept getting the issues, cause I'd like download the one. I was like, no, that's not it. And I went back like four or five issues. Like it was a long time. And I knew it was long, but damn. it was, I, I know, I was, I was super surprised. And, and, and so immediately I was angry. <laughs> and I thought, why would you do this? I mean, it was Matt Fraction writing it. I mean, like, it, it, you needed to, I mean, maybe there was, there's something to do with David Ajay. I needed to do it, but it was a really long time. And I, I really didn't remember where we had left off and what had happened. And it chagrins me to say this, but I was almost angry because it was a really, really good issue. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, if I had a pick of the week, this might've been it because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, uh, I really hate the way that it's being scheduled because it's very difficult to follow a story that is this nuanced, I suppose there's, they're not explaining a shit to you. You have to go along with it, but I feel like I've been reading it forever. Uh, and we're just getting back to it too. Now. I mean, it's, it's a half a year at least. Um, I want to. I want to. I want to go back and and read that previous the January issue that you're talking about because yeah. for me, looking at this, there's two ways that you can sort of take a a, a long delayed sort of installment, we'll say, um, and then it it feels like you you it re- it recreates that that excitement and it feels like a new thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's brand new again. Or I totally don't have the context for this. I uh, and it's almost impenetrable. And I just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's is, good. Is she, I, I know it's good. It's just, I, I don't know. Yeah. It fell a, out of the rhythm. You did. It's a, it, it's a problem. Uh, because, um, part of it's my problem. Well, 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 uh, are, do either of you guys speak American sign language? No, which I didn't mind. I can say cactus. So basically one of the things is, is that, so basically Clint Barton loses his hearing in this because he's shot in the ear. No, he's, he's stabbed in the ear with his arrows, I believe. I don't know because it happened in Hawkeye 15 back in February, um, which I'm actually looking at right now. Um, and, and, but there's, a, there's sort of a backstory to Hawkeye that, again, they don't really explain, but you kind of have to know is that he had been deaf at one point. Um, like as a kid? I don't remember. It's just, that's what I they know, made it seem like in, the, in this comic, and that was something yeah. I did not know about the character. I had forgotten it, but like, I was like, oh, yeah, that was a thing. So in this is... Basically, Barney, who, by the way, was a bad guy until very recently. Right. Um, Barney is, is sort of yelling at him. And now to, he's like a better person than Clint. Yeah. And he's, well, that's <laughs> apparently not supposed to be hard in this version. But there's a lot of Barney trying to get Clint to get off his ass. And, and a lot of it is told in sign language, which is so beautifully illustrated. I don't, I don't even say drawn. Like, it's illustrated. Like, the, the sort of depth to which David Aja's skill goes is, uh, as it's sort of a technical artist, is kind of amazing. Um, and I didn't mind that I didn't know exactly what was going on because I understood based on the context of everything. And I like that. You remember a long time ago in, I want to say, Queen and Country, Greg Rucka did a bunch of scenes that were in French and he didn't yes. put subtitles in. Yep. And I think that subtitles are dumb in comics if they're drawn well because you shouldn't need the words. I think Mike Norton said that once a really long time ago. He said, you should be able to take the words out of the comic and still be able to tell what's going on. If you can do that, it's a well-drawn story. Mm-hmm. And this is what they did here, which is why I was totally cool with it. Yeah. Um, and there's a big rallying thing at the end. 
uh, where he you know, sort of gets all the neighbors and, and it's not, it's not told it's shown. And I really like that. And then, and I really love the, the last two pages. Um, oh, where, yeah. where, you know, and, uh, you know, and sometime in the next nine months, maybe we'll see the next part. I don't know if they had like a pizza dog in a mech suit or something and it was underwater, it totally would have been pick of the week, but yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I like, like Barney has the gas cans on his wheelchair. <laughs> and it's just a really great sort of cliffhanger last two pages. Uh, and it, it, like I said, I was resentful that I liked it so much because, uh, I was I was mad at what they did to me, but and I know people who read this in collections, and there's you know no problem smooth sailing. That's the way to go. Yeah, no, I think that's probably the, the so way. Uh, a new Vertigo number one. I don't know, Josh, you kind of like Vertigo a bit. I do, and I still I did. I, just, <laughs> I still um I make an effort to try Vertigo number ones at least that interest me, and even ones that kind of interest me, unless it's a zombie book, I don't really care. Um, so this week was uh, Bodies number one. Uh, which I didn't know what it was because I didn't know it was coming. I just saw this sort of really attractive uh, cover um, with a Union Jack and a sort of a, a bit of a body <laughs> on it. And I don't know what I thought. I didn't love it. Um, it's got this sort of like, like cheesecake's not the word, uh, like a pinup, like a classy sort of 40s pinup girl in the front. Yeah, the um, and then sort of Victorian lettering and... Um, it's basically like it takes place over. It, it's it's like a it's a Jack the Ripper killing, right? Told in three different eras. Four, four is it four? I guess you're right. Yeah. Uh, in different art styles, if in each era, um, it's it's modern day. Oh, actually, look, there's 2014, 1890, 2050, and 1940. Right. Uh, written by Cy Spencer, who's not the same person as Cy Spurrier. Yeah, I was actually was reading it, and I was like, "Oh, Cy Spurrier." And then after I got that, I was like, "Oh, Cy, Cy Spencer, who did that um, Hellblazer mini mini series with um, Sean Murphy." Oh, okay. I I didn't love it. It's interesting, and it's not bad. But I don't. I was know like, I have no idea what Josh is going to think of this, but he should definitely read it just to figure that out as a as my guinea yeah. pig because it's got a ton Your of stuff. It, well, it has. Yeah, he's my guinea pig. Uh, it, it, there's a ton of stuff in here that is totally Josh, and there's a ton of stuff in here that's totally not Josh. Like <laughs> there's you know I, there's World War II stuff. And, come on, drawn Phil, by Phil Winslade. Phil Winslade. I was like, come on. I was I was looking forward to getting to the Phil Winslade. Not that the other yeah. stuff wasn't great. And wasn't it um, wasn't, uh, Tula Lote? Didn't she do that uh, weirdly named Warren Ellis thing last week? Did she? Yes, I believe so. Because I remember you. I remember you enunciating her name. So I was like, uh. well, to, I mean, so to no surprise. The pieces that I, the parts that I liked were were 1890 and 1940. Right, I didn't connect to the other parts very much. Um, I, just, I, I think Jack. I, I don't. I don't so much like reading Jack the Ripper fiction. I figured that probably went into like the zombie thing, even though I it's like not the Jack, same. I like but... Jack the Ripper history, and I've walked. You know, I've walked through Whitechapel. I've you know, like I care enough about it. Are you you working? Know. Huh? No, <laughs> I've walked those streets. <laughs> no, like I specifically when I was in London, that was the a thing joke that about I to prostitution. Do. Oh yeah, no, I blew that guy. <laughs> blew him good. He gave me a copper. Um, so I like those. I just like the art on those parts the most too. But I don't know what to think. I, I don't know. I, I'm definitely going to read the next one. So the so the, the the hook here is that it's the same body in 
oh. discovered. Yeah, that's well, that's that's another thing that's dumb. explained. Yeah, say in the back. That shouldn't be. There's all these. It, I, I figure it's contained within the comic itself, so it's okay. <laughs> I mean, I got it was like the, I was the like, first oh, issue. The same, I got that there was there was a relation. It was the same wounds, but yeah, um, it's apparently the same body discovered in all four, which is a very like, that's kind of a Doctor okay. Who kind of idea. Like oh, even okay. though, like it's it's grizz, it's a bit grisly for a Doctor Who story, but finding the same thing in four different time periods is very. No. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it. Yeah, but the whole thing, all sixty issues. Yeah, well, <laughs> come on, <laughs> let's look at today's economy and see how that goes. I'm gonna read a few more and, and see where it goes. I, I need, I need something to tie it. I put it alongside like, like um, Trillium, where there's a thing like I was like, that's interesting, and I didn't really do anything for me, and I didn't see how the things were really related or what the point was. It felt a little. It wasn't. It was not similar to that, but I had the sort of same reaction to it. Mm. Um, but it's interesting, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a little more and more. So waiting okay. for that next Vertigo series. <laughs> so very quickly, does it always yeah. does it feel sometimes like it might be the last one? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Um. So just clinging on, like this could be it. So I, didn't, I, I and I keep try going it. back, like let's try it now. Like <laughs> they're all doing books at Image now. So um, I figured yeah. since. Um, Big Guardians of the Galaxy movie this week. We should check in and see what's going on with the Guardians of the Galaxy comic. We'll also tie that in with some more Marvel, Marvel Cosmic with uh, Cyclops number three. So Cyclops number three, Guardians of the Galaxy number seven. Where should I start? Uh, Cyclops number three. I didn't read Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, so that's that fine. Makes it so we'll do Cyclops. Cyclops three. This series has gotten better every issue I've read, and yeah. I really enjoy it. It's Greg Rucka doing something that is not like a thing Greg Rucka would do. I don't father son stuff, which I don't think I've ever seen him do before. No, he's really good at character, and I've I don't know anything. I, whenever I've heard any stories about Cyclops' history or his origin, I'm, I, I've rolled my eyes. I don't want anything to do with it. But it's written so well, and it's so interesting. And I, it, it's there's basically like it's the wish of of the son to to have a great father who cares about him after he didn't have him for his whole life. And you know that's that's a big old fantasy for a lot of people. And and I think it's done really well. And the it's crushing because you sort of understand that as far as story goes, a shoe has to drop soon and it's going to be awful, I think. I mean, they're not going to like, that was great, Dad. We had a good adventure. I don't, I don't see how that happens. Also, they're abandoned. They're, on a, they're wrecked on an abandoned planet somewhere and they're probably going to die. Yeah, I, um, it's, a, it's a great setup. And it's, it's very much, it's just like, here's, this is what the story is going to be. And unfortunately, uh, Greg Ruck is going to be moving on and someone else is taking this over at issue right. six. Just saw who that was, and now I don't remember. So um, it's so it's just going to be uh, this short little arc for him. So this is the as story. As long as that he gets to telling. finish his arc, I'm fine. I think I thought it was a miniseries anyway. And it's it's kind of um, it's kind of life as a house in, <laughs> in space. Yeah. It's like um, it, just with a little bit, with a bit less angst. Um, it's layman. And uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, so you know that should be, it should be that'll be like a completely different book, um, mm-hmm. but um, it's cool that he's you know Rucka gets to tell this story and and Dowderman, jeez, yeah, Russell Dowderman's a really really wonderful art through this whole for thing. A what big, was the other for a big uh, you know talking head issue? Mm-hmm. It's really pretty. And he's going to be taking over for the Thor book, right? Yes, he's going to be. Yeah, he's going to be on Thor so I, regular I, I, original recipe. I, ch- I chuckle at his name because they turned Thor into a woman and then brought on an artist named Doubterman. 
Is the Dauterman, yeah. Yeah. He's a Dauterman. I doubt he's some. Anyway. Draws great um, hair. Yeah, no, it's a, he's, a, he's a really good artist. I remember that you, you had mentioned him, Paul, on something he was on that I hadn't read that I can't remember what it was. Oh, I can't think of it. <laughs> when, he, when he showed up for the first time, you were like, uh, you're like that's a good artist. And, and, and every time I read this, I think, oh, but you called that one. Like, wow, I have great art. taste. Oh. I know you do. So <laughs> what is happening over in the Guardians of the Galaxy? So Guardians of the Galaxy. This I is still to, Bendis. This is still Bendis. And this has been tricky Like to recommend. Like, I've been recommending people interested in the movie check out the Abnett and Lanning stuff, mm-hmm. even though it's like totally crazy. Um, but this book has just been beset by all these weird crossovers, like the all-new X-Men stuff. And even though I like all-new X-Men, if you just wanted to read a Guardians of the Galaxy book, it's had all these tangents and things and like the, you know, Angela, Angela stuff. Angela. Angela. Um, it's, it's been a little problematic. I think it's now fallen into a nice groove where it feels like the movie. Like they're very clearly looking at the, at the movie and that depiction of Star-Lord, which is also true of the Star-Lord uh, solo title, which is great. Um, at least so far, there's only been one issue, but I really liked it. The, the, the one thing I wanted to point out here, um, Michael Avon Oming showed up for part of this book. Not the all art of it. shift through me. It was weird. Um, it's, it starts as Nick Bradshaw was great. Good artist. Very good artist and did a great Captain Marvel. And then you get to the scene with, uh, with Drax fighting uh, gladiator in outer space and it gets totally Ren and Stimpy. Um, just totally like, like, like roided out neck, and, like, and just, uh, what was it like Captain Toastman or whatever from Ren and Stimpy? I don't know, but Powder, Powder Toastman, Toast Powder Toastman, there you go. Um, and it just reminded me of that and they're just fighting in space and it's just like gritting their teeth and, and um, he, I, I wouldn't have thought so, but I thought he was a great fit for the book. Um, I wouldn't mind if he was the regular artist. I didn't mind the art. I just minded the shift. The shift is weird. And it's, it's just, and then it goes back to Nick Bradshaw at some point. So it's just like, it, it really threw me in a way where I was not able to, to connect with the book in the way that I wanted to. Yeah. And it's not like it's, um, particular characters are, you know, you know, their storyline is, you know, they're off doing one thing and that's Nick Bradshaw. And then these other characters are oming. It's, they're they're mixed, so you see both of them draw Star Lord, and they're both good. It's just weird that, but but I but I wanted to say that this is probably also the next issue. They're going to reveal what happened to uh, the original Nova, Richard Ryder. That I'm very interested in. Yeah, so I, can, I don't I don't trust I don't trust Bendis to <laughs> tell us what happened. She was another closet door forgotten about. Exactly. No, that's the door, man. That's, that's that is the door. This is what be. we've been waiting for this it's, whole time, Josh. Sure, it's all it connected. Just, it was old Dickie Riday in there. Paul, get the money. Get the money. All right. So money. if you want to pick up some uh, some Guardians of the Galaxy merch, like some Legos and shit, you should go over to iFanboy.com <laughs> slash Amazon. I actually bought some Guardians of the Galaxy Legos. I love the movie that much. Um, go over there. We get a little piece of the action. Uh, comes right out of Amazon's pocket. <laughs> it's the same price that you would be paying anyway. So it does us a favor and helps keep the lights on. Um, you can also help us out by going to iFanboy.com slash registration. And you can uh, you can give us uh, like a monthly subscription kind of you know donation, or it can be like a one time thing. Uh, we appreciate you know whatever it is. So thank you so much for doing that. Um, we love you, people. And uh, it can be th- like three dollars a month or thirty dollars a year. That's pretty cool, right? That's like mm. you can't buy Legos for that. <laughs> nope. 
No, you cannot. You can't buy. I'm looking right now. You can't buy. You can't buy more than one Guardians of the Galaxy figure. <laughs> no, you can't. But toys are expensive now. If you just wanted to buy the minifigs for uh, Rocket and Groot, it's like fifty bucks. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. The toys mostly still look like. Well, they have they have both kinds. They have the the comic book ones and the other ones. Yeah. Anyway, and um, I certainly can't buy Legos with that. Good lord. Um, so the wake. Uh, number 10 was out this week. This is the final issue in the story. That's right. Um, I just wanted to, uh, they won all the Eisner Awards, uh, I believe. Uh, at least, um, at least they, uh, Sean Murphy and, and Scott Snyder did very well with earned them. them. Um, earned them. Earned them, definitely. Because uh, I think this, this was a story that delivered. One thing you can say about Scott Snyder is that he, he's, he's been very good at ending a story, at giving you the sort of full thing. It's not just all the beginning. Oh, I mean, it's so, a huge story. <laughs> it's a really big story. Like it almost, it, it, I'll, I'll, it's almost too big. And I was like, oh, really? You're ending it? Because there's so much. It didn't feel like there was stuff left out or not, but like you realize that just some of it you have to, you have to sort of fill it in and, and, and understand it was a larger world. And it, I think I think it almost got away from them, but they they got it. They I mean, got it, it gets time. really trippy by the end. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, and I'm not even going to attempt to explain what happens. Nope. But I nope. But it's cool, and I liked everything that happened. But um, and it felt very Scott Snyder. But the the most important thing is the dolphin made it out okay. <laughs> there were like throughout this, this these ten issues, there were like two or three times where it's like, oh man, the dolphin's dead. <laughs> they killed the dolphin. Even when she removes the tarp from like the the crazy apparatus she made with the uh, the weird Scott Snyder discovery like sharks that bore holes into you. Um, yeah. I thought under the tarp was going to be a dead dolphin. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> the, the, the dolphin makes it out okay. So That's thumbs awesome, up, Matt. thumbs up for me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, just just quality work and crap the whole way through. Ryan, tell us about the Samurai Jack number ten. Uh, I, I don't know about you guys. I was a huge fan of Samurai Jack. Uh, the cartoon, good cartoon stuff. network. Gendy Tartowski. Um, yeah, Tartarowski. Tartarowski, sir. There you go. Something like that. Um, my fiance and I have actually been going back and watching the old episodes. She'd never seen them. She loves them. Uh, she thinks Samurai Jack is, you know, a fantastic show with fantastic characters throughout. So I thought I'm on the show this week. Why don't I try a new comic? Why don't, Hey, look at this. Samurai Jack has a comic. So this is Samurai Jack number 10. And uh, I was my main curiosity was to see if this comic would also be a one and done like most of the episodes of the show were. And it totally is. Uh, it's written by Jim Zub with art by oh, I don't have it up. Oh, no. Does it look like Samurai Jack or does it? It looks like a sketchy version of Samurai Jack. So it's definitely not aping the style of the show. It's uh, in that the character designs are all consistent but it's a lot looser. It's uh, Andy Kuhn is the artist. Oh, okay. oh I love Andy Kuhn. Andy yeah, great. he's great. Um, I so there, you know, there, there were, there were, sl- I had like slight moments where reading the voices of the characters didn't mesh with what I would imagine them saying in the show, but they were super minor and the issue was a ton of fun. You know, it's just the typical Aku as a plan. Jack thwarts it. Um, I think this would be totally all ages friendly, new reader friendly. It is a one and done. Um, yeah, check it out. Cool. Josh Sandman Overture number three. Just wanted to point out that I don't really like that. I live in a world where there are new Sandman stories written by Neil Gaiman and drawn by J.H. Williams. And it's, I just, I just can't, it's so hard to read. Yeah. It's impenetrable or I'm not excited about it or something. It does it's doing nothing for me. This was and I such find that an event when they announced it. This is 
biggest deal. This is this is crazy. We're actually going to see new Sandman, and nobody really talks about it because it's not much to talk about. It has a lot of words, and it. I don't know. It. I don't. It, I don't know if. It, I don't know if it's me. I don't know, but it does not have whatever that spark is that it was that it should have in the past. I don't know if it sells. I don't. Do you think like the, that farm has sailed? And- I think just it's this very particular much, story isn't working. I very or? much think that that going back Ken to, farm sale going going back to something like that is a, is a is a rough proposition, and I think that that's biting them. Uh, I, it's really hard to go back like that. You know, Neil Gaiman's a different he's a different entity now. I think uh, I don't know. It's it's uh, I, I ended up like skimming a lot of it, and there's a cat and it talks and it's just nah. <laughs> Looks good, you know. It's J.H. Williams, so. Get that going for it. What's going on with the fuse number six? The fuse. I'm not going to say much about this issue uh, is specifically because I know we're a spoiler free show, but the fuse is a crime, you know, mystery thriller sci-fi book written by Anthony Johnson, drawn by Justin Greenwood, published by image comics. And it's essentially a police procedural set on a space station. Um, and it's a space station. It's a large space station with you know many many levels of inhabitation, including homeless people who live in between the panels. They're called cablers. And so this is a this first arc is about uh, the murder of a couple of cablers and how that might be connected to the mayor of the space station. Oh, I read the first issue. Yeah, and it has to be solved by a new cop who's from Germany who's just arrived on the space station and he's got his Russian partner and they're learning to work with each other, but they're also you know confronting the political structure of the space station and dealing with the underclass of the cablers. And this uh, issue six is the conclusion of that first arc called The Russia Shift. And if you're into any of the genres that I just mentioned, you know, if you like crime, <laughs> if you like police procedural, if you like sci-fi, this you book like homeless is going to... Like homeless people's book's gonna tick some buttons for you, and so I, I got yeah, really. Why am I not reading this? <laughs> I pick it. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's like now that the I first like. arc is done, just pick up the first trade when it comes out. You know, it's an image trade, so it'll be affordable, and right I, I hope more people go check out this book. Uh, finally, I want to wrap up uh, with Chew Warrior Chicken Pollo Number One. Okay, uh, if you've been reading Chew, do you guys read Chew? Am I the only like? I feel like you I read. read Chew. I, I do not. I didn't think so. I do. Um, this is a one-off like about um, the luchador chicken, mm-hmm. cyborg luchador chicken, um, and 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 basically he is he is always fighting uh, evil and injustice <laughs> wherever it may be. And and I was this is exactly what you think it's going to. He goes back in time and he fights uh, in sort of he saves fantasy. President Obama. He saves President Obama and he, and he goes and he, and he fights uh, like it's like a it's like an Arthurian kind of era. Uh, and there's there's their own kind of uh, necro. Uh, what are they called? Doesn't matter. Some sort. So, of- basically, they take all of the sciency esque terms for the food powers and make them magical. Yeah, they add mancer to the end instead of right. whatever. Instead of path. Uh, for, all I know is that in this, uh, the moment that it got me, uh, basically at one point in silhouette at the end of the fifth page. Um, there's a crown being lowered on the silhouette of Poyo's head, and it said, and how a hero became a king. And I laughed out loud real good, and I was fine for the rest of it. Didn't matter. <laughs> that was, if we did a panels of the week, that would have been my favorite panel of the week. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. I really like the fun that they can have with you. And that is the comics of the week. That's a lot of them. That was a uh, lot of comics. It sure is. Gentlemen. And I would like to um, move along so we can get to some of these audience questions before, before we run out of time. We can't have it. 
Can't have it. Uh, Paul, you want to you read the first sure. one? Sure. Uh, Kyle from Ohio writes, with the Agent Carter series and Michael Douglas casting as Hank Pym, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is beginning to fill in what took place between Captain America, the first Avenger, and the modern era. Imagining a scenario where Marvel Studios starts making period pieces that fill in that space in their history, what characters would you like to see populate the Marvel Cinematic Universe between World War II and 2008's Iron Man 1? Good question. Namor. But I feel, yeah, Namor Stole is mine. World Damn War II. <laughs> really? He's, yeah. he's not post-World War II, though, really. Right, but, you know. Whatever. He could show up after World War II. I'm fine. We've, we've dealt with a Nazi threat, and we, oh, shit, it's Atlantis. Yeah. You put, I mean, that, you put, you put Namor you put coming up, say, during, during the Red Scare? Where is or, Atlantis? No, I mean, I know it's not going to happen, but if, if Marvel Studios got the rights back for Fantastic Four, a Fantastic Four set in the 60s as, you know, because their original reason for going into space was to defeat those darn Ruskies. Right. And I'd love to see that movie. Yeah. A period piece Fantastic Four movie. Wolf wishes for um, fishes. I mean, what, uh, Josh, you say Namor, would you want the whole invaders? Like, do you want Toro and Human Torch and all no, that? No, I don't think that that matches the Captain America story they told me. I think you have to have Captain America on that story, but I don't know. Yeah, I, w- I think that they, it would have been cool if they put that stuff in there, but I think Namor can exist on his own as a different thing. Although, if you have him allied with us somehow and then not, I don't know, it just that's, that seems like that's a, that's a um, supremely Marvel character. It's the first Marvel character, if you look at Marvel Comics, number one. Yeah. Let's, let's hope in whatever contracts they sign, he's not classified as a mutant. Yeah. Uh, so actually, he is, though, isn't he? He's the first mutant. Yeah. Right? Well, no, he's but, not the first mutant because I guess other mutants are older than him. But yeah, um, published mutant. Um, and I'm trying to think of who else. It's interesting that we they, we came up with that. But Ryan, did you say the same thing, or did you have a different one? I would have. I mean, I you know I was thinking about the whole invaders, Human Torch. The, like I think. You know, the original Human Torch is really more of a Golden Age character. He's not post-World War II, so yeah. I don't know how that works. And I don't think it really does work. Um, it doesn't so work know. outside of World War II. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, you could, if you, do, like, I mean, they're doing, Even, they're doing Iron Fist and Power Man, but, like, if you had, like, Wonder, I went to. <laughs> Wonder Man, like a 70s Wonder Man 70s as an Wonder actor. Man. I mean, I would have loved. 60s. I would have loved if they'd done like Luke Cage and Iron Fist in this in the sixties or seventies. Like an, a black exploitation movie. And do and like have like actually get the creative team behind Black Dynamite and do it that way. The uh, although going going back to the Human Torch, they he is an Easter egg in Iron. Is it Captain America that he's an Easter egg? Uh, when they go when Steve Rogers goes to the Stark Expo with yes. uh, Tony Stark's dad. You see Jim Hammond's suit in a case, much like the case that the original Human Torch was kept in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've they've played around with stuff like, and that's like like there's Easter eggs in the Asgardian treasure trove that they're using. Like, isn't like the Infinity Gauntlet in there, or like the Eye of Agamotto, or whatever? Um, yeah, both those are in there. I think I also think it would be cool if they like if they'd introduced um, Stephen Strange. Like as a young man in like the like the seventies or eighties or something, yes. And then he's older in the 80s, present day, eighties excess era doctor. Stephen yeah, Strange. there you I mean, go. That's, I mean that that just that just screams for it. <laughs> well, why not? Why not a Ghost Rider movie set back in you know the evil Knievel days? I, I have nothing. I have I I have I have no reverence for for Ghost Rider. None. I don't get it. I don't like it. I never have. <laughs> 
I mean, the here's the thing is I'm trying to think of characters where their story could be enhanced by telling it in a different time period because Marvel has done such an amazing job. And this is truly a credit to them and their studios and the way that they've been putting these movie universes together. They've done a great job of modernizing a lot of these characters that really do come from the 40s, 50s and 60s. And they, they did most of the Captain America movie in World War II, which, by the way, was enormously to their credit. Do they, because, do, oh, they, I, I was so surprised they did that. There's sort of no point in doing this, but like, if they had, do, do they have the rights to punish her again? I don't. I, I forget don't, where that I is at this it. point, but like, you could do that in like Vietnam. Yeah, but I mean, see, to me, though, but Punisher, at this point, it's it's you know they it did is, two but, uh, Punisher to me, movies and Punisher kind of, isn't a character who meshes with the Marvel universe that well. I don't mm-hmm. think of him as part of the overall arc. I mean, I can see like him a, being a part of the Netflix shows. Yeah, but, but even then, he's just, he's what he is in comic books when he is, that he's that chaos agent that goes in there. He'd be and, great and for, Punisher. like, an episode on one of the Netflix shows. Not his own I, series, yeah, but just, like, but, but an episode. Would, but even that, like, I don't know. Like, that's what he would be, and he would be relegated to that, which would seem to not even do justice to the character. So, uh, to me, that doesn't work. Uh, because he doesn't feel sort of integrally part of the Marvel universe. Like you start picking out to me, you start picking out uh, Christ again. Like I wish, like if it was the real Hawkeye, that you could do some really cool stuff. It, I guess you can with whatever Hawkeye is now, but it wouldn't be as, it wouldn't be as fun. Because you, you want to see some some Black Widow covert ops as a KGB agent working against us. You can't do that as I don't think you can do that as the main story. I think you could do that as I mean obviously you can do it because because Bucky basically was was that more or less. So yeah, I, I don't know if you could do that again. That couldn't be the main. That couldn't be the movie though. They, like the movie would have to be something else. I'm gonna go with no <laughs> because uh, I feel like it's been done pretty much. Just because no, like I, I feel like they sort of covered that with the Winter Soldier. That's kind of what that story was. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I I keep seeing Star Fox in my head, but I don't know what to do with it. He's going to be, Rick has said he's going to be a big part of his uh, Avengers Rage of Ultron graphic novel. Hmm. So maybe there will be a new Star Fox store. And that's set back in the, like, that's set in the early days of Ultron. That's not set in modern day. It's got original Blue Beast. Oh, that's nice. We've already seen Jerome Opinion's art for it. So there you go, Josh. Maybe Star Fox. Let's wait for it. Ah, Sitting in the panel. What are the, what are the Netflix, what are the Netflix stories? Uh, it's going to be Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and Iron, Iron Fist. Fist. Get away with the Moon Knight. You get, but you again, that's not a period piece. Like I thought the question was about putting things. I know. In I'm try- now I'm trying to figure out how to place them. Thing is, though, my answer to all of these is 70s. Yeah. What you do? <laughs> yeah, you should do that. You should do that in the 70s. And I know that that's that's lame, but I don't. I, uh, okay. Here's a here's a sort of backwards answer to it. They seem to have the bases pretty well covered. I don't feel yeah. like there's a lot of holes. I mean, the, yeah. the immediate hole that we all found was Namor, and after that, it's kind of a reach because they've covered so much of it, or they they seem to be. I think in early uh, early Doctor Strange is is sort of the only other sort of pure Marvel bedrock Marvel. Uh, you know, besides that, you're doing you're doing like Starlin, uh, Titans kind of stuff. I will say that I hope, and with with Edgar Wright, I I thought it might it would be like a certainty. But with you know the creative changes, I just hope that with the Ant Man movie, we're going to see a flashback to Hank Pym in his prime. You know, whatever that is, like the seventies, maybe the eighties. Yeah, you know, being Ant Man, and you have, I don't know, no, he doesn't have a kid alive. 
don't know. You'd have to play that. I just think that I just think that would be fun, like to actually do a, a flashback, not just of you know, like Tony Stark's dad, but of you I, know, an actual superhero. Here's the thing, though, is that like I think what's sort of starting to happen is that we've seen so many, we so many uh, superheroes learning to use their powers and how to be a hero and do we're doing it we've seen it so much that if i'm making movies from marvel well we've covered that from a thematic standpoint so let's let's do different eras of them let's do the established superhero the the reluctance the older superhero the you know the guy who thought he was out but it was his last day on the job like you kind of you know the 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 learning to be a hero and, and and figuring out how to do these that's been covered so well you know how many ever many Spider-Man versions there've been, Hulk versions, and all that stuff. If I'm them, I'm looking for a different way to tell a superhero story because they have that luxury now that they can actually do different things instead of just the formula. <coughs> I guess. Want to see Vulture in the Jazz Age? It's you know it's really terrible that you can't do Fantastic Four. Because yeah, that is, is the, that's the other missing link. I think I think that uh, a Fantastic Four movie set in the '60s. So then you can jump to a modern Marvel movie where you've got Grizzled and Gray, Reed Richards as like this. Yeah, I don't think that works. He's the advisor. I don't think they put him in the '60s. I think they're the earliest they can put him is the '80s. And they're fighting the Russians. '80s kind of fun. <laughs> '80s, '80s, '80s Fantastic Four would be, would be awesome. I think that would be what if they what if they just went cool. full bore and set it in 1994, the year of the terrible Fantastic Four movie? I'd be into that, just, too. Because they can't do it in the 60s because then they'd be they all it's be too far super, back. Yeah, they'd be super old. It's I mean, that that worked in the 80s when you put stuff in the 60s, it kind of kind of could track. But now it doesn't. And they've really, I mean, they've really covered it so well. I mean, it's really it's it's tough. Um, we should probably wrap it up. Yes, yeah, save should. that other one, which is awesome. We'll do. It is a good question, one. So we'll talk about that. Make sure we get to it. Um, anyway, why don't we? Uh, if you want to email us, you can uh, write to contact at ifanboy or you can leave a voicemail at eight 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 fanboys, which is three two six two six nine seven. If you leave a voicemail, tell us who you are, where you're from, and you know, try to keep it keep it under control. Thirty seconds, you know. Uh, don't send lots of twenty nine second silent spam. Uh, yeah, don't do it. Whoever's doing that, don't do that. Yeah, uh, episode 450 is coming up. We are on 447 now, um, and that's going to be an all-email show. So we need you guys to write in uh, and put episode 450 in the subject line. Um, we will uh, we answer them all. We try to do as many as we can. So uh, come along for that if you can. Um, Paul, what did, what are we? What's coming up? What else is there? Well, actually, if you look down in your feed, you should see the Guardians of the Galaxy special edition podcast. With should I reveal our special guests? Sure. What the hell? Ryan Haupt and Ron Richards are mm. our special guests. Connor is away on vacation. He has weird priorities, leaving during this very important time in, our, in all of our lives. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Marvel Cosmic Universe on the big screen. So you can check that. That's, that's going to be immediately under this in your feed. You're, if if it you're hasn't. listening, then that, then that show is available. That, that that's is available. Yeah. It's uh, a weird time travel thing. Where do they go? There's weird temporal distortion. So you can head on over to ifanboy.com. You can come in on this show. We talk about this week's books and find out about all of our other podcasts like the one I just mentioned. You can also follow the action on twitter.com slash ifanboy and facebook.com slash ifanboy to find out what the pick of the week is before the show. You can follow us individually on Twitter at at Haupt, at J.A. Flanagan, at C.S. Kilpatrick, and at Fuzzy Typewriter. And finally, if you like us, one of the best things that you can do for us, other than the aforementioned ways that we talked about, is to give us money. 
presents. You can send us totally send us presents. We have wish lists. What the hell? <laughs> um, <laughs> like strippers. Uh, if you is that sexist? It is, isn't it? You didn't say what kind of strippers. It's true. I guess that's just that's just the leap. Listen, there are people on the there are people on the internet. They get naked. They give you their wish list. It's a thing. They want people to buy them for them because of the uh, relative visual value of their goodies. <laughs> that's what I'm getting at. If you think that's okay, it's fine. You know, paint strippers. You send us turpentine. It's above me. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, if you like us, you can write a review on iTunes. That guy hates strippers. That's what it is. I like that show, but that one guy hates strippers. <laughs> and also, he's got the he's got the definition for strippers wrong. I'm I'm miming typing angrily, by the way. Oh, better yet, even more better. Uh, tell people about it. Spread it. Uh, spread the word. <laughs> what happened? Hey, maybe your maybe your friends don't like comics. Maybe they like science. Compare yeah. the end of the show to your very eloquent beginning of the show, where I'm, it's I'm very meticulous, you, very it's careful. Getting, it's getting measured. near midnight. It's warm in the kitchen, and I had a baby wake me up before six a.m. That's what I can tell you. What's happening right now? So. If you like something that we do, spread it among your friends, either in the social networking or however you do it. Even tell somebody. It doesn't even matter. But if you do that, we really appreciate that. We thank you. Uh, no judgment. No judgment. That's all uh, for the show. Okay. So that's it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. I have been Paul. I have been Ryan. I am Daniel Craig. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. You, you wish. <laughs> you wish, man. I, I, can't, I can't even do an impression. I, I, it's not even a thing. It wasn't this the is, worst photo comparison. This is why you should follow Josh on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I, did I was just jeans. scrolling through. I was doing that like, quick scroll, like just what's going on. And oh, God. Not I again. Did, I, I totally did. Not buy again. The, I bought the exact jeans that he wore in Dragon Tattoo. <laughs> Because I came out of that movie and they're like, you like the movie? Yeah, I like the movie a lot. It was good. Did you see his jeans in that? Here's what I love about this. I've had this conversation with you more than once. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm not saying it's okay. When the movie came out and then now. Mm-hmm. So. And that's, it's been years that I still haven't let that go. Shocking. You bought They're nice pants. Well, I learned from my mistakes, this time I will escape. I'm too-